morning. Welcome to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, I have a very special guest. I have someone who, I don't know how to describe them. They are a riddle wrapped inside of a question. They are, the, the life background of them is so extremely diverse that you can't even imagine it. My guest today is a retired former Navy SEAL, elite Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6, but also someone who had to live with a secret, someone who had to suppress just about every part of themselves in order to survive in that type of environment. Within the last year, that person, the strength of that person, has been able to come out and become who they are. The person I am speaking of, it was originally named Chris Beck, who is now Kristen Beck, former Navy SEAL, original transgender Navy SEAL, and my friend, and Kristen, I welcome you to the show. Thank you, John. I appreciate this today. Kristen, I want to jump right into it here. In 1990, (laughs) you know me after all this time, in 1990, what was Chris Beck afraid of? What was I afraid of? What was Chris Beck afraid of Uh, in 1990? 1990 was a turning point year for you. What was going through your mind? What was your, your biggest fear at that moment? If you had just, one, I just graduated from college. My biggest fear is getting a job and just being a being a, a good person. Yeah, now the uh, Kuwait was invaded uh, back in those days, and uh, our country went to war. Uh, we were uh, teamed up with thirty other countries. Uh, President Bush, senior at the time, uh, went into Kuwait, and uh, I raised my hand as one of the people to join the military to go, you know, fight for freedom of. Of the Kuwaitis. Now, you at the time were somewhat aware of your inner struggle, uh, believing that you are, you know, that you are uh, a woman born inside of a man's body, and you could have done anything, Kristen. I mean, you could have done anything. I know your intelligence level. You could have been anything you wanted to be. You chose to go to the most macho place, the most difficult place to be in the world. And that is becoming a Navy SEAL, one of the most well, respected jobs ever created. Why yeah, go probably there? Going, probably going back a little bit to when you were talking about fears and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, I think I, I was just trying to just be the regular person and just fit in. And so everything that, you know, any inner struggle such as being transgender, and you mentioned being a, a woman trapped in a man's body. Mm-hmm. Can we put that on hold and talk about that a little later? So everything is buried so deeply inside of a person, and I think everybody has, you know, things like this. Maybe not as drastic as, you know, myself and my story, but everybody has things, and you just bury them down. And when they're buried down that deep and they're kind of bottled up, you don't really think about it on a day-to-day basis. I mean, once in a while a thought pops in your head, but then you get on with your daily life. You just get on with living. And so at the time, that's what I was doing. I joined the military to go over to Kuwait and uh, try to free that country. I uh, I was looking around, and I had a couple of friends previously that were Navy SEALs, and uh, I was already a scuba diver and enjoyed, you know, Halo, free fall, and all that. So I was like, hey, that sounds like the job for me. So I uh, volunteered out of boot camp and went straight into uh, basic underwater demolition training buds and uh, became a SEAL. And then I started doing my work, 
And uh, next thing you know, it's 20 years later, and I'd been in a bunch of different uh, wars and combat all over Afghanistan and Iraq. I don't know. I mean, it, it never, it doesn't always cross your mind because people are so busy living that a lot of your own personal feelings don't really come to the surface, or they don't, they don't rule your thoughts. Just uh, growing up, having a family, and trying to live a good life is the primary concern. And the things that are bottled up deep inside of you don't really don't really happen. What? Then I retired, and I had some time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have. Re- yeah, you definitely retired. Had some time to think about it there. But but kind of going back into the beginning of it, because um, okay. you know, because again, we know each other very well, and and uh, I've read, of course, enough about you just because it's there. The feelings, though, but you always felt a little different even growing up, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was always there. I mean, in grade school, I remember, you know, the thoughts. Uh, there's a young boy that just, uh, his parents are supporting him. Ryland, he's from uh, San Diego, California area, mm-hmm. or uh, L.A., somewhere in between there. But uh, so he was uh, just a kid, like a two- or three-year-old kid. And uh, they were telling me stories about uh, Ryland. That, at that time, uh, I was a little girl, and... Uh, they could never get, you know, Ryland to ever wear a dress, anything even close to being pink. And this is a two-year-old. So, and Ryland would go into uh, his, because that this is a little boy, would go into his uh, father's closet and just sit there in, amongst the shoes and the, and the suits and would tear, uh, you know, his, uh, his father's suits off of the hangers and just sit there huddled around it and put a tie on. Hmm. This is a two-year-old. And so, at three, I mean, two and three and four years old, when Rylan was just a, a little tiny girl, how does how does that happen? So, I mean, it's something that's inside of us that just doesn't, you can't make it go away. Well, and I, this kid is just so, you know, hard-headed, I guess, would be, or so persistent. And so, it was such a big part of this kid's life that just would not let it go away, wouldn't bottle it up and wouldn't put it down inside in, you know, deep recesses of his mind, which is what I did, which is what a lot of us do. Robin wouldn't do that and was, you know, tantrums and running around, and every time, you know, they tried to dress right enough to go to church or go do something and bring out a dress, the kid would just sit there on the floor and just start crying and dreaming and just would not do it. So, and for me, I bottled it up and I put it deep inside and luckily, uh, Ryland's parents are just so supportive. I mean, at the time, I guess there was nothing they could do because this kid was just so, you know, dead set on, I'm a boy, I can't believe you're telling me this. I am not a girl, I am not a girl. And so, I mean, on the opposite spectrum. I bottled it up and dealt with it until I retired out of the seals. Ryland, on the other hand, as a two- and three-year-old, has said to, you know, his parents, I am a boy, this is what I'm doing. And the parents... Pretty much, I, I guess they almost had no choice. But then when they started supporting Ryland, Ryland turned in from this really angry, you know, little kid and upset about everything into this, you know, beautiful little boy playing baseball with, a, you know, his father and started doing better in school, you know, as he, as he was in uh, kindergarten and first grade. Because started being better socially, better everything, because they they've understood we have to do this. It's a balance. The Ryan was able to find the balance between who he is and yes. who he's allowed to be now. 
But Chris, yeah. Christine, even with you though, I mean, yeah, you bottled it up. Obviously, you were able to keep moving forward. You elite Navy SEAL, all the other things you've done. Uh, you were married, a couple kids. You were married twice, a couple kids. But when you say bottled up, it did spill out though. At times, it did leak oh, yeah. out of the bottle, and it had to be very draining emotionally and even physically at times to try to keep that all suppressed. Yeah, totally. I think that if you uh, talk to some of my SEAL team buddies, they, I, would, I would have to really, you know, I mean, I, I worked hard and I did the best I could. Sometimes I would get into it. I guess it, it was just like a depression, I guess. They were just didn't know what the hell was going on with me. I was, uh, I just suddenly just be like, or to them it was suddenly, but it was just like, yeah, it, was, it would come out badly sometimes because of the pressure would build up, just like you said. So I would, uh, I'd have some times, and I'm sure the guys were looking kind of sideways, going, "What in the heck is going on?" And uh, because I was, you know, a pretty good operator, and I had, you know, pretty good skills in the seals, they would kind of like, "Okay, give him a couple of days, and he'll come back around," or, or "Hey, it's just me a couple of hours," and I'd go off by myself and do my things. I'd go read a book, or go, you know, lift weights, or go swim a few miles out in the ocean. So you found so an outlet for it for yourself, obviously, but yeah. But still, it, though, it that tough. it's tough. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I mean, you're this is it, you're trying to take two totally separate parts of yourself and find yeah. a way to make them merge in any way possible because you have to just for survival. But and again, yeah. you go to the most difficult place in the world to have to accomplish this, which is oh. it, which says a lot about who you are in a, m- many different ways. But kind of stepping back for a second growing up uh you grew up in a very strict yeah, house is, john, I'm sorry, go ahead. don't go ahead. we all do that but don't we all do that i mean mine was very extreme so it's very easy to look at and pick it apart and say wow you did this and did that and bottled it up but i think everybody does that to a point and society I'll- doesn't let women ride motorcycles almost when you see when you see a harley davidson and some you know lady riding around you go wow look at that girl on a harley and it's like we're so weird about how we stereotype and how we limit everybody's potentials. Well, if she likes to ride a Harley, let her ride a Harley. It's not a big deal. You don't need to point at her. So right. as, as we are so restrictive in our ability to live and our potentials as human beings, we constantly limit each other. We're constantly picking on each other and, and being mean to each other just by our comments and by how we view the stereotypes of the capabilities. I think women are probably... It's just, it's tough. And so it's it's one of those things where we need to stop doing that. Don't limit women. Don't limit, you know, anyone. Don't limit men to what we're allowed to do. It just makes it worse for everybody. You're being modest here, and we're going to take a break and come back, and I'm going to hit you up on that one because there is a big difference in what you're, in my opinion, in what you're talking about because there are so many variables involved in who you were, who you've become, how you had to go through the process. It is, I mean, you're being very modest on it. And, you know, Kristen, hold on. We're going to go into a break. You're listening okay. to Life Unedited. <laughs> Today, my guest is my good friend Kristen Beck, former Navy SEAL, now transgender Kristen Beck, also an activist. Be back in a few moments. Yeah. 
grandparents. Here's a chance to create memories that will last a lifetime for you and your grandchild that is both fun and educational by attending Westchester University's Grandparents University. This event is a great bonding experience as you and your grandchild experience several days of college life, including attending classes together, dining together, and even staying in a dorm together. There's even a graduation ceremony. Sample from a variety of specially designed courses that will be of interest to both you and your grandchild in a variety of categories, including DNA, linking our past, present, and future, communicating through the internet, and how to make your own newscast. WCU Grandparents University is Monday, June 23rd through Wednesday, June 25th. Spots are booking quickly, so don't wait. For more information, go to communication.wcupa.edu slash gpu or like Westchester University Grandparents University on Facebook. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I'm Olympic gold medalist and TNA Impact Wrestling Champion of the World, Kurt Angle. And you're listening to WCHE 1520 AM, the talk of Chester County. Back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Kristen Beck, former Navy SEAL, has transgendered from Chris Beck into Kristen Beck. She is also an activist. Right now, she is going up against the system. Uh, Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel concerning the issues for transgenders inside of the military. And we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But right now, we're kind of learning what makes Kristen tick. Where did she come from? How did she become who she is today because it's a long journey but Kristen, before we took the break you made a comment about everyone you know suppressing something or having to deal with something and and i agree with you and you know me well enough to know some of my backstory but i do see it as different though in the sense this is this is um the soul of who a person is their identity oh, yeah, totally. their sexual identity that's a that's a really intense inner battle well, you just you just mixed up some terms right Go there ahead. when you say sexual identity this has nothing to do with sex this is a gender it's a gender identity okay it's, well, it's it's inside of my mind it has nothing to do with sex it's not a sexual orientation it's not a and then just saying that word alone and i i just i want to keep this totally separate this okay. has nothing to do with sex this is it's like it's inside of your mind it's like a gender thing it's who i want who i am as a soul and who I am in my spirit. And I think that it's something that everybody mixes up quite a bit. And uh, as soon as you start talking about sex, everybody starts flying off the handle and you go, I don't want to know what's going on inside of somebody's house. And it's like, well, this has, it's, it's not the same. This be gender and someone who's transgender, this is not sexual orientation. This is not a fetish. This is not just about the clothing. This is not a lot of things that everyone thinks it is. This is about who I am as a person and how I identify myself. And then the outward manifestation of that, wearing some of the clothing or doing some of the other things, it, it brings my mind more to a, a level playing field for myself and makes me be able to live more as a more full person. 
And so just because I'm putting on a dress or doing something on the outside, I don't have to do that all the time. It doesn't always have to be that outward thing, if that makes any sense. It does. It does make me get more in line, and it makes me better able to express myself in the the way that I feel. And in turn, because of how I'm dressed or how I look, society can look at me as a woman and treat me in in that way and also come at me at that equal ground, that equal footing as I am a female or a transgender person. So basically we're talking about, I would say, a person's soul then, if someone buys into that part. So we're talking about your sense of being, the sense of who you are as an individual, as an entity, as a soul, everything that's connected that makes you you. Yes, it's my energy. But then, so I mean, and whatever you want to call it, I don't want to get into religion of it or anything else, and I start debating Phil Robertson, which would be kind of fun <laughs> to do one of these days. Hey, Phil, give me a call. <laughs> but I can, I can definitely outshoot everyone on Duck Dynasty on a better shot. Uh, all my SEAL team training, so if anything goes that, those guys ever want to challenge me, I'm up for it. You know, man, I didn't but, think about that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> But, so but you're in the right, movie though. coming out, in the movie coming out, Lady Valor, I do a lot of shooting, so some people will see that. And I want to say, you know, now that you kind of touched on that, um, let's kind of give a quick review of that. You did a <laughs> uh, a ninety minute documentary with CNN Documentary Films, uh, Anderson like Cooper. They, they made Blackfish, which is an amazing film, and okay. then they uh, then they made the film Lady Valor. They, do, and, they only do a few of them a year. Yeah, and, and they, they released it. Now. The movie's premiere release was down at the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas, back in February. And if I'm correct, you're coming up here to New York City, I think in mid-June, for the premiere uh, in uh, New York City of Lady Valor. It will play play at the Human Rights uh, Watch Film Festival on June 14th and June 16th. And you can look that up by looking up Human Rights Watch. You can find it by looking up Lady Val or anything else. And the tickets are available, and it'll, it'll screen in New York City. And uh, I believe you have coming up uh, next Friday uh, an art gallery uh, exposition you're doing for the Wounded Warrior Project? Uh, it's not for the Wounded Warrior Project. This is for the 296 Project. It's a real small uh, nonprofit that uh, promotes art therapy. Wounded Warrior Project is a huge, it's a root giant, you know, juggernaut of a, a nonprofit. The 296 Project is a surreal little one, and they concentrate specifically on art therapy, or expressive therapy would be even better to say it. So if someone has a, you know PTSD and they fill all the paperwork out and do their thing, they can have an uh, expressive therapist. And whether they want to do painting or uh, welding or build a motorcycle, if it's something that they can do to express themselves in such a way, to use that as kind of therapeutic uh, uh, means to you know, become more healed up, then, you know, go for it. So they're, they're wide open, whatever you want to do, and as long as you have a therapist that supports your idea through your therapy, then, then they'll support that and you've with got, money or with supplies. And you've got the gallery you're doing a thing Friday night that people can get tickets to and come? Yes. Yes. So you can look that up on uh, the 296project.org, or I think it's 296project.org, but that's pretty easy one to look up also. I, uh, I donated a lot of my paintings, so I had, I think, 30 or 40 paintings, and I donated to the project. Uh, we've already sold one of the paintings. Uh, I think it went for, like, 5200 bucks. <laughs> That's incredible. So, just, so, yeah, I mean, I, 
don't know. No, that's incredible. I, I think I think most of my art because it is art therapy. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like my uh, a lot of my anger, I guess, sometimes or, or a lot of whatever. You know, just throwing it up on some canvas. Uh, I I don't know. I look at somebody and go, "Man, that looks like crap." And, and then somebody else goes, "Wow, I love it." And they start reading into it. So it's kind of. I always wondered, like, if a Picasso or uh, Andy Warhol or all the other. I not compare myself to them at all, <laughs> but I wonder if they look back and they just kind of stand back a few feet from their pan and go, "Man, that looks like crap." And then somebody says, "Hey, the Campbell Soup can. It's awesome. I want that." <laughs> and it's just, you know what I mean? It's kind of good humor. So. Oh man! But, but you're yeah, also going to start. Be uh, I'm giving a speech, and I'm, I'm going to do yeah. some art on on site. So and you're going to sign some uh, lacrosse balls, correct? Oh yeah, I, I played lacrosse <laughs> in college. Division one lacrosse player back in the old days. I was just uh, nominated as the uh, honorary captain to the uh, NCAA championship lacrosse games, and uh, I was out in the field and gave, you know talked a little bit and waved my hand a lot. But I met a bunch of the players and uh, some of those guys, man, some amazing athletes. It was a really cool game. So if nobody knows about lacrosse, you know, go check out the NCAA lacrosse, you know, championship. I think you can watch on YouTube. And I'm so serious. Those guys, guys are amazing. They are amazing cool players. Guys. I grew up watching the Gate Brothers. You and I've talked about them. And oh, yeah, the Gate Brothers. Yeah, guys are incredible with what they were like the original magicians with the uh, ball and stick. And I was serious yeah. though. I think that uh, you should be signing some lacrosse balls as uh, yeah. giveaways or uh, other things along those lines. But, but I have two game balls. I have two game balls from the game, and I have a few other balls that I have that were from some other some other times that I was playing. But I have two of the NCAA uh, championship game balls, and uh, I will uh, sign those and write on their NCAA championship. And then, uh, if anybody wants those, and then uh, I don't know, think of a think of some nonprofit or somebody I can give that money to. Uh, we'll talk about. It. I got some thoughts on that. Okay. We'll, we'll definitely kick it around. If but, anybody else has any ideas, then call in and say the lacrosse uh, money should go to such and such. It works for me. <laughs> let's let's do. Uh, I want to. I I just want to raise money and uh, try to get some other people, you know, awareness and and if it turns into something for a children's program, that'd be awesome because you know they're our future. Hopefully, we have a good future. I think we're gonna. I I think as society, we're gonna be all right. Look how far things have come, Kristen. I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, yeah. if you go back to the early '80s when AIDS was first identified. And the scare that rippled through the United States. I mean, it looked really bad there in the late yeah. 80s, early yeah. 90s, that, you know, the homosexual community, the lesbian, gay, transgender community, bisexual community, they were, it was going to be a battle. They might have to go back underground. But in the last yeah. 35 years, look what's, look what's been accomplished just within the last few weeks. Pennsylvania yeah. finally gives the right for equal marriage. Uh, yeah. You have the military opening up the doors to openly gay and lesbian soldiers. Now, the yeah, next battle... It's been a few years already, and I haven't really seen any... I mean, it's been all positive. I've talked to... A, I was at West Point uh, for a big talk that I gave a few months ago, and I spoke with a, a ton of the uh, you know general officers and some other folks. And, uh, and West Point, they're totally... They're good with it. They're a uh, gay-straight alliance, and some other groups that they have up there, totally supportive. And they haven't really seen, you know, any negative effects or anything. Obviously, it's positive because people are able to serve more freely and not worry about what they're going to say or how they look or some action. They're not constantly uh, 
curtailing their actions and always afraid and in hiding. And that makes a better person. If you're not constantly worried about what you're going to say or constantly worried about uh, an action that would give you away, it's like being a secret agent. And I wrote a little bit about that in my new book that I'm putting out. Is just trying to be a secret agent and constantly worried about your actions or constantly worried about what you're going to say. It, it makes it really hard to live. And you're never going to live your full potential if you're constantly hiding, if you're constantly afraid of your actions. And it's that can be said. Now, what you're saying is true for just about any situation. It doesn't Everything. matter whether yes. you're going through something yeah. as dramatic as what your life experiences have been or someone who yes. just has to figure something out. But yeah. when you, your, your journey, your journey is a long journey to get to where you are. And in all honesty, there's still a lot of mountains to climb, I would have to believe. You're still learning who Kristen Beck is. But it's tough. I, I know yeah. it is. I've, I've, I've been around well, you enough is, to know it is. It's a, it's a long journey, and it's getting there. The thing is, is, the end of my journey will be when I just walk out the front door and I'm dressed like whatever. And people, I don't want to be a transgender American. I don't want to be a transgender Navy SEAL. I just want to be Chris. I just want to be a person. I don't need the labels. I don't need, I don't want to be anything. I just want to be me. And so when people can look at me and just, they don't see transgender, they don't see a weirdo or whatever label you want to stick on me, I don't, that's when I'm like, okay, so now I'm just living my life. I, and you mentioned earlier that we're friends. So I, I spent a little bit of time in Philadelphia with you, and I met your wife and your family, and we went out to dinner. And then we went to that uh, auction place to go search for some pieces for one of my movie sets. Correct. How did people treat me? They kind of look at me kind of funny at first, and they, they kind of made a couple of comments. And then after about five minutes, it's, it's just on with business as normal. Remember that that real funny uh, dude with almost no teeth? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was <laughs> not to say that description. I, I, that was the only thing that popped in my head was he didn't really. But have it's that the truth, teeth. though. He had no teeth. <laughs> but, but he was at first. He was like he was looking at me kind of sideways, going, "You know what? And you know what's going on here?" Kind of like. And then I made a couple of comments, and then he kind of loosened up a little bit because I didn't come off as you know an alien or something. And then next thing you know, we're just sitting there. You know, business as usual. This doesn't. This doesn't count. I'm just a person, and when you met the person, just it's okay. And I think more Americans need to maybe experience that at a you know a little wider than their own circle of friends. I mean, if that's all you do is sit sit there every Sunday and watch football, and then go to the same bar every night and drink beer, and then come home and do your work, your circle of friends and your experiences are only that narrow. You only know 100 people in your life, and they're all the same. Well, you, you and are, I agree. You're oh, you're, you and I agree on... Meet somebody on a, else. Meet somebody new. We agree on much more than I ever thought we would agree upon since we've gotten to know, know. each other. We and you uh, have a fist fight when we first yeah. <laughs> People would assume that. Kristen, hold on. We're going to take another break, come back, <laughs> and we've gone free-for-all on this one now. We're just kind of going as we go. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Kristen Beck, formerly Chris Beck, former Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6. We are talking transgender issues. We're talking about Kristen's life. Be back in a few moments. Do you want 
want to know what's going on with your favorite celebrities when it comes to entertainment, fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle? Well, tune in for The Bryn Project every Wednesday at 12.15 and every Saturday at 12. I'll even catch you up on childhood stars like Boy Meets World actor Will Friedle. By the time I hit 30, I stopped doing on-camera work entirely. I'm having too much fun doing the voiceover stuff. Find out the latest tour and album information from your favorite artists like pop sensation Carmen. When we were working on the album, we had so many songs recorded. Some of them sounded really fun and really Carmen. And I think a lot of the stuff that inspires us is really fun. Check out tips for balancing life as a working parent from people like actress Melissa Joan Hart. It was difficult because I was missing them a lot, but now we have decided to all get together more and so we've been traveling back and forth across the country as a unit. Also, get motivated to get healthy with experts like Good Morning America contributor Tori Johnson. So I realized that rewarding myself with food is akin to an alcoholic celebrating a month of sobriety with a beer. And you never know what some of your favorite stars might say. The last time I was in Philly, they surrounded me and they were like, we love you on MTV, you're our favorite comedian. Aww. I was like, Aww. So you don't want to miss all the action. Check out The Bryn Project every Wednesday at 12.15 and every Saturday at 12, right here on WCAG 1520 AM. Hi, my name is Nicole Zell, and I'm the new host of Soundstage. Every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m., we'll be featuring local musicians and upcoming artists. That's Soundstage every Thursday, 4 to 5 p.m. with me, Nicole Zell, on WCHE 1520 AM, the talk of Chester County. Hey, it's Daphne Oz from The Chew, and you are listening to WCHE. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is former Navy SEAL, retired SEAL, SEAL Team 6, Chris Beck, who is transgendered into Kristen Beck, who has become an activist for transgender's issues. Kristen, you have totally blown my scripted interview with you out of the water. And, yeah, sorry about that. And, and I told Sharon, my wife, before I got, before I got in the car, I said, it's going to be gone She's going to blow it out of the water. <laughs> it's going to become the conversations that the two of us have when we're together. So I'm going to just roll with that now for the second part of the interview. Let's get back a little bit here. Um, you know, again, we were talking about your journey. And, okay. you know, you're in the position to be the most famous transgender, if not the most famous, at least in the top three, transgender individuals in the history of the world, the way things are going. No, I'm just, I, I don't like that. I just, that's why I've kind of gone underground a little bit for the last year. I, that's underground? I, I just, well, <laughs> kind of. I just, I don't really, I'm not searching anything out. I'm just going to, I talk to my friends, I talk to you. Yeah. And just like I'm talking to you right now on here, that's, that's all I'm going to do. I never want to do the scripted thing, and I don't really, I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing my thing, and if it's activism, and I'm going to do a little bit of that. I I don't know. I mean, let all those other people do all that stuff in the spotlight and all that. But I'm just going to sit in the background and just keep doing my thing and, and trying to, you know, inform and educate as, as many people as I can. I do a lot of speak, speaking at universities and such, but I'm trying to stay off the TV and all do you, that. Do you really think, stuck on it. I mean, come on, 
Do you really think that's possible? This, what sets you apart from from all of this, what, or, or what sets you apart and what puts you on the map, is your military background, is who you were for those 20-plus years. That gives you a platform from which to work from that really no other activist or few other activists in any arena has had available to them. I mean, you have an automatic respect given to you. If I can take that spotlight and just shift it around to show it, you know, onto the people right right now, what I'm trying to do is working with Secretary of Defense Hagel Mm -hmm. and the Pentagon on the, there's there's approximately 15,000 transgender people right now serving in the military. And so if I can reverse that spotlight and just show it on them, then, yeah, I don't mind being a spokesperson. I don't mind... You know, talking a little bit because, but yeah, having it shining on me, you know, no, please turn the thing back around and shine it on them. I've, I have hundreds of the transgender people who are serving right now. They write to me, they send me emails, and they ask me questions, and they ask me what's going on, and, and I try to give them as much advice as I can. And that's who I want to shine a spotlight on. And so, yeah, there's 15,000 transgender people right now in the military. And they're all serving, and, and I know a couple of them who are doing amazing work. And uh, they shouldn't be in hiding. They shouldn't have to bottle this thing up. They should be able to not worry about saying something or running around on the weekend hiding out and afraid that someone's going to see them. How much better? They're already doing a great job, but how much better could they do if they weren't constantly in hiding, if they weren't always trying to be bottled up or always afraid of what they're going to say? So basically, within the military, you have 15,000 people, approximately, in hiding, afraid of every move they make. How good are they? They're doing a great job, but how much better could they do if they were free to just be themselves? Christian, what's the military? They're not going to run around with rainbow flags. They're going to still be in uniform. They're still going to be doing their job. It's not something that we have to flaunt. It's just something that we just have to be comfortable with, just so they can just say it. I agree with that. What's... What's something else? What's the military afraid of, Kristen? What's I mean, they've come to accept, uh, okay, you well, know, lesbian, gay. They, they've come to bring that yeah. in. That's not a. What are they afraid of with the transgender issue? Well, they think it's going to be a huge cost to the military, but that's that's not a, that's not a good argument. The cost. Of, well, stop for a second. Break me down. You hit, you you you, you okay. you've got to break this down for me. Cost in what way? Uh, is somehow the government now responsible for the transformation? Is that what they're concerned about? Well, that's what everybody's concerned about. So they're concerned about the, the hormone replacement therapy, HRT. And that would be myself right now. I'm on some testosterone blockers and some estrogen and things like that. And that's not very expensive. And you have people in the military right now who are on, you know, blood pressure pills. Yeah. They're on this, they're on that. There's a myriad of, of medications that people take every day within the military. And, that's, and some of those, uh, some of the military members, are on uh, medications for depression. They're on medications for this. They're on so it's enough medications across the board that, that that's a moot point. So it doesn't this doesn't count. So if you're already treating military members for depression or for uh, symptoms of PTSD or anything else that they have, this is the same thing, and it's about the same cost. It's not really that expensive. So that's one thing off the off the charts. So as far as the cost goes, it's very minimal. And then when you start talking about anything else, other operations and such, it's it's not really that expensive. So you're talking about maybe twenty five or thirty thousand dollars. So the cost should not be a big big concern. 
And and most of the time, it's not something that you have to just jump right into and get the operations and stuff. So I don't really see the expense being being an argument. It's not an argument. That's off the table. So there's one argument the military has. Okay, give me the Another second. Another argument, the second one, and this is one that I think was brought up by uh, Secretary of Defense Hagel just recently, was austere environment and people being out in the middle of nowhere or a hardship and everything else. So it's any different for someone who's transgender? No, it's not. That's not an argument either, but that's one of the ones that they bring out. What's what's the extra stuff you have to do or if you're in an austere environment? What's the difference? There is no difference. Like I said, people, if you're getting any operations and doing your things, people in the military get operations. You have your appendix out. You're out of action and you're back here in the hospital for a little while, then you're released, and then you go back to duty. Same thing. And the fact is... There's, a, there's hundreds of government contractors who are side-by-side side on the fire bases in Afghanistan right now who are transgender. Is there, is there any difference? Is there a problem? I spoke at some of the agencies the, uh, a few months ago. Those agencies we're not supposed to speak of. And stop saying SEAL Team, that number, after five. I'm not part of that organization. I'm part of the dev group. That, that other thing doesn't exist. To the general public, <laughs> my friend. That's what, so, that's what it, it if yeah, I go anything else, that. you know this, yeah, no. if, you, if I no. go anywhere else, the general public does not understand that. <laughs> We've had these discussions, we've compared yeah. Air Force ways, well, Navy saying, ways. I was, I was just a Navy SEAL, <laughs> just a regular officer. No, 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 I have so, to, no, 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 you, you have to be modest again. There has to be a separation. Look, there is no average Navy SEAL that doesn't exist. There's no average special operations person ever. But you yeah. did go deeper into certain areas, certain <laughs> things that you need to get some acknowledgement for. But now I have to ask you this now. Okay, get out of that. I was yeah. just a seal. We'll yell so at each other later. Back to the thing. So there's, there's these government contractors, hundreds of them serving right now on fire bases, and there's no problem. I, I have communications with, with a lot of these uh, folks. When they get back in the country, I've been writing to them. They get back in the country, I give them a welcome home and say, hey, good job. I mean, not anything special. They're doing their job. They're on fire bases. They're in austere and messed up environments. And there's no issues with that. But let's it's call it what deal. it is, Kristen. Let's call it what it is. We're talking about a system, the military, conservative, yes. attached very strongly to the religious right. We're not, we're not talking about interactions between one or two people. That's, I, I think even people who totally hate each other can interact if they have to. We're talking about an entire system here, an entire way yeah. of being for 225-plus years. And... You're coming in in a position of power, actually, because you have been an elite special operator. You have a presence about you. You are able to stand up and talk about things with conviction and with truth that a lot of people can't. You're able to stand in their faces and say, hey, this is me. This is what it is, where most people can't and and it does separate you and it does put them on the spot um in all reality and and i've said to you this personally i know i just said it the other week you appear to be the person born at the right time for the right moment to do this job whether you want to see it or not that's really the way it is isn't it yeah pretty much i mean i'd have to agree with that i mean it's the military conservative yes religious yes and no and I think you can say yes and no to both of those. Without so a doubt. Military, Without the military a doubt. is a cross-section of America. The military is a cross-section of us as people. 
if I'm in the military and I'm in another country and it's just a whole bunch of Christian white dudes, you know, five foot eleven, two hundred pounds, and we're all that exact same cookie cutter, that's just that's not a very good representation of America, first of all. And they're also not going to do that good of a job because they're all they all think the same. They're all like robots. I don't want a bunch of robots in the military. I don't think the military should be that cookie-cutter exact thing. I want the military to be as diverse as possible so you have every angle of thought so that we can do a better job. If everybody's thinking the same thing and we go at it in this one direction, what happened to asymmetrical warfare? What happened to the diversity of thought and the diversity of imagination and everything else? I'm surprised in every other military tactic I can draw out of the book. If I don't have that, then we are going to fail as a military. If we don't represent every American and the diversity of America within the military, we are going to fail as a military. And I can say the same thing for politicians. In politics, if we don't represent every American, then we are failing. That means we are not a democracy. We are not a representation of, of who we are as people. And we're failing as politicians. I do not want to fail. I think they need to open the thing up, and the politicians need to open their eyes and start representing America. Don't represent your own person. Represent your people. Represent your district. Not yourself. You're not there in the White House. You're not there in Congress or anywhere else in politics for yourself. You're there for us. You're there for me as a transgender American. So start representing me. That's what I feel. Well, you've just We're kicked fail on as, as a country. It pisses me off. Well, you've just gave me my next show with you Did I? in the near. <laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt. We knew this was going to happen. We talked about this, and it, it, I'm going to actually keep separate. And, wrote, and I wrote some notes down on it. We're going to we're going to come back again in the future. And we're going to talk about the military and its traditions, okay. and we're going to talk about how. Uh, free thinking, all those things you talked about. You're a historian like I am, so we'll have a good debate on this and where the future may lie on that. But as far as what you're doing today yeah. by taking on the system this way, now, I do need to know how many other countries allow uh, openly transgender people to serve in their military ranks? 13 countries. 13 countries around the world have accepted transgender citizens to serve in our military. Okay. 13 countries are more free than America. We bang our chests and say the home of the free, the home of the great, and all that other stuff. Well, a lot of times we're not. Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Israel. I mean, I can name, there's 13 countries right now who have freedom, who allow their citizens to represent them you know, to for their defense and everything else. Well, Israel doesn't so count, we're, my we're friend. Ragged. Israel doesn't count. They have to. <laughs> they need as many people as they can get. We're going to come back yeah. after this break, and we're going to keep just free zoning it here. That's the only way it's going. You're listening to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Aberley. Today, my guest is Kristen Beck, former Navy SEAL, now transgender activist. Be back in a few moments. What do I want? I want to be seen faster. I want to spend as little time in the waiting room as possible. Less waiting. More taking care of me. At Brandywine Hospital, you'll find a 30 minutes or less ER service pledge. 30 minutes or less? 
You can even find our average ER wait time online or with your mobile device. Don't wait when you need care fast. Turn to Brandywine Hospital. Learn more at brandywinehospital.com. These past few years have been tough on all of us. You may have even given up on your dream of owning your own home, but don't give up just yet. We're PHFA. We help people realize their dreams of owning their own home with features like competitive interest rates, down payment and closing cost assistance, and even free home ownership counseling. PHFA can make your dream of home ownership finally come true. Learn more at phfa.org or call 1-800-822-1174. I'm Brian Hudson, and we're PHFA. Welcome home. Hi, I'm Pat Ward, Chairman and CEO of Penn Liberty Bank. As a locally owned and managed community bank, we understand the importance of helping businesses within our communities to grow and prosper. Penn Liberty Bank has consistently been recognized as one of the top SBA lenders in the Philadelphia region. We have the lending expertise to provide area businesses with the capital they need. Here's Bob Terzak, CEO of Brilliant Graphics in Exton. Thanks, Pat. I have been in business for 35 years and have never worked with a bank so extraordinary. Penn Liberty Bank is involved in our business and truly cares about our success. They have an exceptional commercial banking team who is available and approachable. We could not ask for a better business partner. Everyone at the bank champions our business from the stands and on the field, never distanced from the game. When you need an extraordinary bank, call Penn Liberty Bank. Thanks, Bob. Find out how Penn Liberty Bank can help your business grow. Visit PennLibertyBank.com or stop by any of our 10 conveniently located branches. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, this is Will Friedle, and you're listening to WCHEAM. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is former Navy SEAL Kristen Beck, now turned transgender activist. And I know you hate when I said that, how I say yeah, that. Can, but, you say civil rights, can you say civil rights activist? Or but that's not true, though. Or, but it's not true at the moment, though. Yes, you're fighting for everyone else's civil rights, but your platform is transgender issues and transgender rights. You, you okay. keep trying to hide from what you're doing, and, and, and I'm saying this with, with kindness in our friendship, but th- this is what has happened. I mean, yeah. uh, well, okay, let's put it, the, okay, let me ask you this then. What did you think was going to happen 12, 15 months ago when this became public? I mean, did you honestly think you were going to retire and end up in Guam, uh, you know, uh, surf skiing or something? Yeah, well, I would retire and then go to Guam and have a fishing boat and die at, you know, uh, Agate Bay and all the other places. Guam is a pretty cool place. I've heard it is. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I didn't expect that. And I was at some of the top levels, and I was at that teal team that everyone knows about. It's it's like it's like the flavor of the day. It's like, wow, seal team, and everybody's everybody's you know, fainting and doing other things. <laughs> it just, I find it kind of upsetting because it's, I, being a quiet professional, trying to be, as most of us try to do, there's just, there's too many books out there. And then well, I we've talked write, about that. Write a book. We've yeah. talked about, but if you step back and take <laughs> a look at it, uh, we've talked about that too. If you step back and take a look at the bigger picture of it, it's the respect, because that's what's coming at yeah. you is the respect. But this also gives you now, let's really think about this for a second. Yeah. This gives you a platform from which to work from that is almost unheard. If a politician 
had your platform to work with, do you think that individual would shut up and go away? No. We would never hear the end of it. So you've kind of turned the tables on them because when you go in front of the you know, the uh, Secretary of Defense, Hagel, and his people, or you give a talk, or you do something, nobody in their right minds can get up and heckle you or say anything really negative because you have fought for everyone's rights, and all you are asking for is the same rights that you put your life on the line for. I think that is about as basic as it gets. That's all I'm asking. That's it. Can I have the freedom that I fought for? And the unfortunate... Can I have the, dignity, exactly. the dignity and respect that I had in uniform as a Navy SEAL that everyone offered me? I was sitting there in uniform in any bar in the country, and people were like, hey, let me buy you a beer. Hey, congratulations. Welcome home. Hey, thank you very much, and all these other things. But then as soon as I do what I'm doing right now, I'm getting jumped. I'm walking down in the city block, and somebody jumps me, and I get beat up by four guys. So, yeah, but it took four, ground. though, Kristen. Kristen, so it took how, four. How did it go from that? How did it go from that kind of dignity and respect as a human being to being the totally opposite? I find that appalling. I find that disgusting. And that's straight up prejudice. It's straight up bigotry. It's straight up hatred for my physical appearance. That's that's a terrible thing. And that's what I want to fight. Your physical appearance should not that. It shouldn't count for so much as it does as we are as people. We see it in the magazines all the time. We see it with uh, the actresses and actors. There are only going to be that one cross-section of America, that the beautiful people, the pretty people. It's What about everybody else? We America and most Americans are not that model that's on the front cover of that magazine. We yeah. are everything else. That's not people. That's not a human being. That's a character. It's a, it's a plastic person. Shoot, most of them had so many operations anyway. <laughs> They've had a ton more than I have. <laughs> but, you know, again, kind of stepping back, you made a point, though, that, that you made a great point there, though. And I've thought about this. Uh, just in a, It was weird. I talked to my wife about this one night. I said, you know, I wonder what would happen if Kristen and I were in this scenario. We're out. We're at a bar. We're just drinking. We're hanging out. And for whatever reason, you know, the blank starts hitting the fan. I yeah. wondered... If we were a- somehow able to identify who you were immediately as a former American war hero, the whole nine yards, what would happen at that moment with the people that want to come at us to hurt us? I have to believe it would stop everything. But why would it take yeah. that to stop it? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just like I was just bringing up before. It's, just that, it's that outside shell. We have come such a weird route. The heroes in my day, when I was growing up, was like the Albert Einsteins and the, and the Teddy Roosevelt's. And I'd be, it would be, you know, turning. And they were your heroes? There's so many people. Well, I, <laughs> we're okay, the I was, same I age. Kind of a, okay, I was kind of a, But it wasn't, it wasn't actresses and actors and football players and all this other stuff. That all it is, it's all the physical outside thing. It's not about... Who are you as a person? What's your intellect? What's your what's your spirituality? I mean, some of my heroes would be, you know, people who who dive into the spirit and really look at who we are as human beings. And can't we get to a next level? We're going to be we're cavemen. We're never going to get past that. 
that uh, and I can I can crash that dinosaur and I can do this and I can pick this thing up. That's out on the football field. All we look at is that physical prowess and that and that and that beauty. But we have we are so stuck on this outside shell as human beings. We're never going to become anything better. But Christian, we have made steps in that. I mean, I, I I see where you're going in the bigger picture. It doesn't look like it, but we have. Look at the rights that have been gained just in the last six months, the last six years. You know, we're, we're seeing those changes, and I think it comes from the way we raise our kids. Now, you made a great point yeah. earlier about uh, it's getting better. the diversity of people. Now, the one thing I've taught my two daughters over the years was, I want you to meet different people. I said, if you only yeah. hang with the people you know, that's all you'll ever know. The interesting people are the different people. And when you came and stayed with my family, you have a couple times, uh, I think you saw immediately that you were welcomed in just like uh, we welcomed your dog in. <laughs> there was no difference. Wait, what do you call me? <laughs> we welcomed you in just like we welcomed yeah. Bowen. Yeah. And I raised yeah. my kids to be that way. And, and there was a... And I don't know why I felt this way, and it kind of bothered me, actually, that I... No, that's nothing to do with you. I remember uh, we were all hanging out, and I remember for a moment I felt a certain pride that my my youngest daughter, her boyfriend, um, whoever else was there, was being so nice to you and being... You were having a nice time, and then it, then it hit me, and I thought, why am I proud of that? Proud of that? That should be expected. I expect that. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, even I, even people who like to think they're open-minded or they're a, a past a lot of the crap that goes on, uh, even our minds still fill with some sort of prejudice or questions related to it. Uh, yeah. you, know, we, you know, we've kicked that around a ton. Um, within, we only got a couple minutes left here because you've totally ruined my interview. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you for this one. But let me ask you this, though. Again. I'm going to get you. Let me ask you for the, yeah. this, though. How... Will history look at Kristen Beck? How do you think, when it's all said and done, you're in the nursing home, <laughs> how do you think history yeah. will take a look at you? I don't know. I mean, I hope that, I, I don't, to tell you the truth, I don't really care. I care about what my friends think, and I care about what my family thinks. I care about what my next step is. I mean, I just, there's still more. There's still a lot of things that I would like to see and I would like to do. So when you stand in front of, and I'll say maker, when I stand in front of, there is something. There's so much more that I could talk about. But we're all, we are all accountable for our actions. And if this whole thing, why, why are we here on Earth? We're different. We're different than the dogs who sometimes I look at my dog and I go, damn, there's somebody in there. But we're different. We're sentient beings. We have a soul. We have an energy. And I would always call it an energy. That energy started somewhere. There's a first cause. What is that first cause? We are all answerable to every action we have here. What if this is just a test? What if we're here right now in these bodies, stuck here on this earth? But our real thing is going to be the energy when it leaves here. Where does it go? And are you making that energy better or are you making it worse? This is just a test. So I'm now, because of, now I've changed a little bit of my outside shell, against society, against so much. And there's so much bigotry and prejudice. 
What if I'm just here to test all those people, to make them kind of think about it, to look at this outside shell and go, you know what, this is not what counts. What counts is what's inside. What counts is my energy. And because you're coming at me and you are so hateful and you are so negative, by looking at just my outside shell, you don't see what's inside, you are failing. You are failing the test. What if that's what this whole thing is about? Well, what if my energy right now is I'm, I'm doing something better, maybe. Maybe it's not better. But if, as you react to me, as a human being, you look at me and you go, and all you do is fight me or all you do is just try to punch me in the face, you're failing. You don't see what's inside. All you see is this outside covering. That's a failure. Well, I'm going to say this. We've got to wrap it up here, my friend. But uh, I will say this. Every movement begins with an idealistic thought or belief system. And the first people or the first person who has to crash through the door always gets hurt, always gets bruised. The rest come in very easily. So you're leading that way. And uh, what's going to be very interesting is having you on periodically now and get... You know, getting caught up with you and finding out where that idealistic streak you have is taking you. And I want to thank you for, obviously, your service. We talked about that, your friendship, and I offer you the best going forward, Kristen. And uh, you, we'll talk to you soon. You have been we listening. We are all being tested. We are all being tested every day. Everyone <laughs> should look to passing that test. Please. That's all I ask. Thanks, Kristen. You've been listening <laughs> to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Averly. I'll be back next week.